Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello again. Welcome to MedHeads. And today, once again, we have Anita Fletcher of Stand Out Medical Careers. Hello, Anita. How are you? Hi, Fergal. I'm really well. Thank you. Good. It's good to have you back. Um, so exploring our, our discussion on the interview and, and how to prepare for the interview, there are a couple of things that uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, like really horrible interview questions such as, tell us about a time when you've overcome a challenge. What, what, what's your thinking around that statement or that question? Okay. Well, I always suggest preparation, as I said in the last session that we had, in the last discussion. So, I mean, everybody can can do some preparation around this question because everyone's experienced challenges. So, it it, it I would come at it from the point of view of of that uh, past challenges, as your question relates to. Um, potentially current challenges that people are working through and then um, what also think about you, the question you might be asked, which might be what challenges do you foresee in taking up this role? So uh, in doing those, those three are the past ones people are looking at. They want to hear from you an honest account of your experiences and demonstrating the way that you manage difficult situations and the way that you work with others to get through that. Um, and then uh, currently, are there any current challenges that you're working through and what plans do you have in place? What strategies do you have for coping with those? And a lot of people out there are facing many different challenges. So there's a lot for a um, lot of food for thought for people and I really encourage people to refer to those um, experiences and reflect on those experiences as they're happening for future reference to use in interviews. And then thirdly, that question around what challenges might you expect if you're successful in attaining the role because the, the people, the recruiters want to know um, how much you've thought through what the role entails and what some of the hurdles might be, which really demonstrates the research that you've done into the position and the organisation. So what I'm hearing is you need to think of challenges as past, present and future. And you need to come up with an example in your own life about how you've met a challenge and currently what challenges you're, you're, you're meeting and then do your homework to foresee challenges. So let's talk about challenges. What, what kinds of challenges have you heard discussed in your experience interviewing? Uh, okay. Interviewing well, well, we know that people can be challenging at times. So frequently those questions relate to people that you've worked with. Uh, they might be patients. Mm. They might be peers. They might be seniors, people in senior roles uh, to you, and how you've mm. managed those rather uh, often fraught interpersonal um, interactions. So they're looking for the way that you communicate, that you assess the situation, that you think through and plan through what the approach is going to be in order to most effectively um, come up with a resolution to the issue. So the, the challenge is normally going to be there's, there's an issue for people uh, and 
and people want to see a way out of that, a resolution. Um, and then secondly, you know, in terms of as well as people and often hand in hand with people is the situation itself. So that might be a, a clinical problem uh, or a workforce problem or it could be other resources that are difficult to um, access. Uh, one of my clients at the moment is about to head off overseas to work for MSF and uh, and doesn't know where he's going yet. And I think that's a very interesting situation of not knowing, one, where you're going in a month's time, but also what on earth you're walking into. But it can be pretty much safely assumed that that wherever he's going is going to be far less well-resourced uh, than his current major hospital in Sydney that he's been working in. Um, so obviously he's pondering the challenges that lie ahead and how he's going to, what resources of his own is he going to be able to draw on in those settings and and then what resources will he have to learn about um, that are around him and, and essentially anyone, even if it's not as drastic as sort of example, anyone can be forced, uh, faced with those sorts of resource issues um, at any time in their work. Uh, so I think it's it's always healthy to kind of think through those worst case scenarios and, and how have a plan in place or at least some kind of structure um, and and something to some talking points around what you would do if faced with those sorts of situations with any challenges, people or resources. That's an interesting uh, breakdown of challenge. People are resources and resources are internal and external. So there's a lot to tease out here. Let's go back to people. Oh, and by the way, uh, I presume MSF means Médecins Sans Frontières. Yes, that's Doctors right. Without Borders, yeah? Yes, right. yeah. So let, let's go back to... Um, people. How do you deal with a difficult superior colleague? Because that's everyone knows how to deal with a junior or even a, a, someone on the same level. But how do you deal with a difficult senior colleague who just doesn't get what you're trying to do or is trying to, who has two, who, or who has unrealistic expectations of what you can do? I'd say tactfully uh, without giving up your ground. You know, a lot of people are often intimidated when they've faced with that situation for good reason. They're worried about, you know, not getting uh, good feedback, not having that person speak badly of them to others and, and a whole other list of potentially uh, unfortunate uh, consequences to that situation. So my advice to people is to really think through what are the issues, what's the situation and come up with a, a, an action plan and not rush in and try and resolve that too quickly with that person. So give it some thought and then, but, you know, when I say too quickly, maybe not immediately, but as soon as possible, approach that person with the, to have a con an initial conversation with them about whatever the perceived or real issue is and try and and hear their side of the story. There's there's always two sides of a story. Uh, if, you know, sometimes people can get stonewalled at that point and 
they can be very frustrated. They feel it's they're not being listened to, it's going nowhere or they're being ignored. Uh, I've heard of people being met with the hand, you know, not going to talk to you about it, go away. Um, so that's that's a very difficult situation to be faced with when you're working in a professional environment and one where your whole career could be quite adversely impacted if it's not resolved. So I always say try and um, resolve the, the situation with the person involved first and then talk to some other people. You know, recruit, enlist help. When it's someone senior, um, there's always someone around you in, in a hospital or in any other medical practice workplace. It's, it's usually a team situation and there are other resources and people you can go to. And even, I mean, I was working for the AMA. People would bring these sorts of issues to the AMA. They would bring them to the union as well. Um, and But usually they start by approaching someone within their organisation and saying, I really need some help with this. So, And that's what I strongly recommend, that people don't try and deal with those stressful situations on their own and to, to ask for help from someone because... Chances are most people have experienced that kind of uh, behaviour or situation at some point and everybody knows it's not a good place to be uh, and it's in everyone's best interest to resolve it quickly. But it can be incredibly complicated. Uh, one doctor came to me a few years ago at the AMA and said that her uh, supervisor that she'd been working with for a few years and doing a lot of research with had suddenly turned against her and he was her main referee. So she had ah. a fairly significant problem all of a sudden. Um, and, you know, she was she was doing a, a, a wise thing. She was talking to a few people to say, how can I possibly navigate this? And if the worst case scenario is that this person, the, the conflict is not resolved, how can I find other referees so that I can uh, reasonably explain to future recruiters why this person is no longer my referee. So, you know, there's often very delicate, um, complicated yeah. situations surrounding these sorts of issues. So, you know, I'm, I'm big on clear communication, but there, so try and work it out. But at the end of the day, there's also wherever there's people, there's personalities involved. And, and sometimes personalities don't, will never gel. Uh, there are some people who will never sort of like other people that they're working with. But the key is that they don't all have to like each other, but you have to be able to work with each other. And if there is a conflict, try and move on from it in the most professional way. And and sometimes if it's a shorter term uh, engagement with, with this senior person, if you're a junior doctor and you're looking, you know, you're on a rotation with them, you've just got to survive for a few months and then move on, do that uh, in the most professional and calm way possible um, because those people have the potential to really... You know, ruin damage, your career, damage your personal brand, <laughs> and ruin yes. your career. Yes, damage your personal brand, which is tantamount to ruining your career. Yes. So, I mean, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? You know, 
I suppose whilst there is the temptation to always lay blame or to identify blame in these dynamics, that's probably not very helpful, is it? No. Yeah, because a senior senior person would say would basically accuse the junior person of incompetence, and the junior person is basically going to accuse the senior person of bullying. So where do you where do you draw the line? Where, where how do you deal with those those conflicting barrages of, of, of accusations? Well, I, I often, when it comes to blame, I often think about a model, um, the below the line and above the line behavior model that's used a lot in business. And mm -hmm. blame is one of those uh, characteristics or behaviors that's a below the line, line behavior. So I would never go to blame. I would always go above the line to an alternative such as, you know, making um, constructive and concerted efforts to resolve it professionally, bringing other people into it, talking about the situation rather than the people involved. So trying to disconnect that, that senior person from what's happening and talk about the situation rather than making it about them personally. Um, and then, yeah, trying to come up with some solution. And, and often I hear people who have been through these experiences talk about things like um, saying to the person, look, you know, if we, if we can't agree on this, what are some things that you would suggest that I can learn from? You know, how would you suggest that I learn from these um, in order to improve? So uh, taking a bit of a dose of humility might help um, but uh, again at the same time you can't take so much humility in or you know so that you end up losing your own self-respect and the respect of that person so it's a bit of a fine line you've still got to be prepared to stand up for yourself and stand your ground and say look we disagree and it's okay to disagree um, but I still stand by by what I think, but I will respectfully acknowledge that we have a difference of opinion and we'll move on from there. Right, right. So what I'm hearing is approach the individual first directly and then if that doesn't work, then enlist local help and then enlist external help. Yeah. And, you know, speaking as, as a former associate of the Australian Medical Association, I'm sure you'd agree that actually being part of a union is always a good thing as an employee. It doesn't matter what level you are in your career. Yeah, it certainly can be a big help because you've got outside representation. You've got a third party who then goes in to negotiate on your behalf. But the other yeah. thing I'd just like to mention here, and I'm sure that all the listeners would already know this, um, but always avoid the temptation to badmouth the other person. Yes, never speak ill. Yes. Never speak ill of the damned. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that's actually a very important piece of, 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 of uh, advice because if you do start speaking ill of someone that, that you have a big problem with, then and everyone hears about it, then everyone will start to think, well, actually, you're the one with the problem. Mm. It undermines yeah. your own professional integrity. And I think that in these situations... You know, like I said, we can all agree to disagree, but you hold your head up and say, well, this is this is it. Yeah. I, this is my position and I'm moving yeah. on professionally through this and and I'll 
I will come up with alternatives if if this challenge is is a significant one, like the example I gave. There's always a way around it, or or another way. Hmm. So here's a question for you, just purely uh, initially. Well, we'll see how it goes, but initially, hypothetically, never speak ill of never speak ill of someone, right? If ill is never spoken of people, how then are the, the malignant characters in an organization, and there are a few, there's always a few, how are those malignant characters not dealt with appropriately? Well, they should be, they're, they're speaking ill uh, in, a, in an unconstructive sort of gossipy way, and there's mm. providing constructive feedback to the organization that you're working for. Yeah. So it all comes back to professionalism because it is okay to comment on people's performance or behaviour in any organisation you're working for. Uh, and But the unfortunate thing is that sometimes that feedback can fall on deaf ears and people don't want to know. And I have heard quite a few stories uh, within medicine where because of the position of a given person, say an extremely um, senior clinician and very um, well-qualified uh, person, people can turn the blind eye to their behaviour over long periods of time. And in that situation, I think, um, you know, it's worth making every attempt to address that. But I have heard of people not being able to make any progress with that at all. So they're option is to go elsewhere and uh, and go and work in another environment because there are unfortunately still some situations where even the people highest up in the chain are still going to allow that behaviour to continue for other reasons. And it's not always evident what those other reasons are uh, because the relationships of those people isn't always known. Um, the, yeah. the, the other things that that, say, senior clinician might bring to that organisation may not be evident to others. So, you yeah. know, personal um, people and, and their relationships within organisations can be very complex. And sometimes yeah. an organisation might think, well, it's we'll put up with that with that person because we have too much to lose if we don't so and on that sweet note anita i'm afraid we've run out of time oh, no, <laughs> we won't we even did. scratch the surface we did. <laughs> you'll have to come back again we'll, we'll continue this chat later on all right thanks for <laughs> many all. thanks for your time tonight it's thank a you pleasure good to see you that's all for today's medheads my name's dr fergal armstrong thanks for watching and we'll see you next time